Hey, everybody. Hey. Hey, um, listeners, welcome to the 13th Floor Podcast. I'm Cece. I'm Alex. I'm James. And today we're going to be talking about Area 51. If you listened to last week's episode on hypnosis, you already know that. If you didn't and you're a first-time listener, welcome. We're happy to have you. Yeah, and I'm starting to think we need a soundboard for when we say 13th floor. That way we can have like a ding, <laughs> like the sound of a door opening up. Uh, <laughs> and maybe like a devilish laugh. Like <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's an idea. Hey. It's an idea. It's a good idea. <laughs> How about we let our viewers decide whether or not they want cheesy sound effects? I'm immediately Jesus. thinking of that Family Guy episode where, like, they started relying on the the radio buttons. You know, what was it called? <laughs> yeah. Like, Baby and the Dog or whatever. Yeah. Oh yeah. man, something like that. Did you guys have any any exciting life events that you wanted to talk about? Not really. Like maybe after the show. Uh, all right, guys. I we're, pulled uh, garlic. Oh yeah, out of the ground. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. You texted me some garlic pics. Yeah, oh, we man. had some some random garlic shoots just grow in front of our front yard, and we found we realized what they were at the point where we were curious on whether we could get our own garlic or not. So we had this hideous abomination growing in the front yard for like two months. And now we got garlic that we may or may not use. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting oh, story. Yeah. So I'm now a gar- uh, a garlic farmer. Yeah, Alex has decided that he wants to become a garlic farmer for life. That was um, so easy. I had to do nothing. <laughs> all right. Uh, what's your question this week, Alex? All right. I got a good one this time. I actually looked this one up. Or a version of it, I guess. Uh, but... If you woke up as a vegetable, what vegetable oh would you be? <laughs> Where is that? Why you talked about garlic? Maybe uh, I knew it. Yeah, I was. I'm, I was just thinking like this is. There's a, a parallel here. Um, yeah, I was wondering why you brought that up because it's just like it's it's such a non-story. Well, you all were getting tired of me asking what's your favorite right. So now you get to pick <laughs> what vegetable you would be. Okay. <laughs> oh man. Um, yeah, that's not, not as easy as uh, your favorite blah, blah, blah. I would be broccoli. Why on earth would you be broccoli? Because it's just packed with nutrients. You're not going to eat yourself. You're not a cannibal. So, <laughs> so you want people to eat you. Then. I want people. You well, want to die a swift death. My goodness. Or your broccoli, world? nobody will eat you. I love um, how you because... asked the question, but now you have like this weird fascist hierarchy in your head of vegetables. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, just... Oh my gosh. Broccoli is my favorite color. Green. Well, broccoli's not color. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right, smarty pants. I'm done. What do you want to be? <laughs> this question went far better than planned already. <laughs> wow. What would you be? Um, I would probably be. Oh I guess God. I'd be a carrot and I would just hope to be deformed to have two legs so I could walk I, around. I knew you would be a carrot. I just so knew these, it. Are, these are sentient vegetables then. 
This is like yeah, veggie tales. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Uh, yeah, yeah. I was yeah. wondering what the appeal guess. was at all. I was like, what's the difference? What does it matter? <laughs> but that Let me guess sense. what James would be. Uh, okay. James would be. He'd be like something like. Oh, whoa. Easy. <laughs> this is a kid's show. This is veggie tales. Come on. Yeah. Um. He'd be a parsnip if it was a vegetable. I don't no, know. I think parsnip he'd be a rutabaga. Vegetable. A rutabaga? A rutabaga. Uh, oh, I was actually thinking uh, a Carolina Reaper. Be awesome. What? Nobody is, would is mess that, with is that. Is that a pepper? Yeah, it's that pepper that people on YouTube eat, like, and they cry and oh, it messes them up. That is a very um, James answer. It's a good Thank idea, you. though. I mean, you're not going to be eaten because. Well, just because you don't disgusting. like broccoli doesn't mean that nobody else likes broccoli. Nobody else likes broccoli. That's why you can always find it in the store. Uh, <laughs> <okay>. <laughs> You're cracking yourself up today, aren't you? <laughs> I'm my biggest fan. All right, Karen. Um, I could run away if I if I get lucky enough to have deformed two legs. You wouldn't be that lucky. And you then, would just be a st- Dick. And James, if he does get eaten, at least he's going to set someone on fire. Yeah. <laughs> James is, James is, or, or James, your answer is just so accurate for you. Oh, thank because you. I feel like, I feel like sometimes you just like to, you know, light a fire just to see what happens. Yep. Very true. <laughs> Certainly true. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. He's the yeah. Joker. He just every, wants to watch the world burn. Every, every single one of these episodes has had a joke by me that, that didn't make it <laughs> because it was, yeah, yeah. it was too inappropriate. Oh, man. Yeah. No, it's true. If only the listeners knew. Yeah. Quality control. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's <laughs> a valuable uh, aspect of any product. Yes, you're welcome. Um, okay, enough about vegetables. I'm tired of talking about vegetables. Fair point. Let's talk about aliens. What do you guys say? Uh, okay. Let's talk about Area 51, which is why we're here today. Seven minutes into our podcast, and we've talked about garlic and vegetables. Let's talk about what the people came here to listen to. I think our vegetable podcast, our, <laughs> yeah, vegetable our podcast, podcast. Wow. Yeah. yeah, our vegetable podcast would probably be a bigger hit than this one. <laughs> Can you imagine? Oh, golly. Farmer Alex, Farmer James, and... Farmer Cece. That's how we introduce ourselves. And James is an actual farmer, so he would be our authority. <laughs> I can't think of a witty vegetable title, but uh, yeah, I'll we'll think it. of it later. Um, but oh. keep an eye out for. <laughs> you are really getting into this, Alex. <laughs> Dude, I'm a I'm a big fan of this. I, I this think is, the uh... garlic thing triggered something. Like <laughs> <laughs> he picked it, and the, the fragrance of the garlic did something to his brain. Yeah. No, it was the excitement of harvesting my own crops. Mm-hmm. Okay, um, aliens. Yep. <laughs> yep. James. That is not a transition, CC. <laughs> James. Oh, you take it from here. I'm tired of talking. This okay. podcast is also a great start, by the way. Yeah. I'm gonna, Let's go. I'm going to be covering the origins of Area 51, which is a bit of a murky thing. I mean, it wasn't really declassified as a place until 2005, and the information wasn't publicly available until uh, eight years after, like uh, borderline 2013. So a lot is not known. Even the name, like Area 51, 
we don't even know why it's called that. We know that it's right next to Area 15. And if you invert the numbers, uh, that could be it. Uh, I mean, it's really crazy that we don't even know why it's called that. It's, it's not a logical name for the place. Yeah, I mean, that is the question is what happened to areas 1 through 49? Right, exactly. And, one through oh, 15? Well, I forgot. We know about 15, so uh, 49 other areas. Oh, man. Um, yeah, super weird. It, it started off as like a silver mine area. And uh, then in World War II, it became an airfield, which, you know, there was lots of airfields during World War II. It was, it was one of the biggest uh, aerial theaters to fight in. So it made sense that a lot of places make space for that. It was, it was, you know, a dramatic shift in our military. We went from literally from horses, rifles, and cannons within a few decades to a largely uh, aircraft carrier and, uh, and aircraft um, means of combat as well as tanks. So that makes sense. That part's not mysterious or weird. But then... And of course, our old pals in, in the, the 50s, the CIA, they start Project Aquatone, which uh, was chiefly about researching different reconnaissance aircraft, which I'm sure you'll get into in more detail later, CeCe. Uh, and as part of this, uh, the director, I mean, when you're, when you're doing reconnaissance aircraft, the, the first rule is you don't want people to know. I mean, it's reconnaissance. That's kind of the whole point. If you're making a regular weapon, it's fine that people know about it. But if you're doing anything that, that relies on stealth, it's kind of key that you're secretive about it, right? right? So they couldn't conduct that kind of research anywhere else, really. If they'd done it anywhere else, word could have got out. So they go to the middle of nowhere to this just dry lake that's been depleted of silver and all interest and nobody liked it called Groom Lake and they set up shop. They started test sites. They started calling it Area 51. Sometimes they would call it other creepier names, which I think is like, it's kind of weird to me that it's called Area 51 in modern parlance, because I think the ranch and Paradise Ranch are way creepier. I mean, that actually sounds yeah. like a horror movie. You know, Area 51, yeah. eh, exactly. The ranch to the ranch. It's, it's creepy. <laughs> And different. Or the Babadook. Oh, yeah. Man, you are whimsical today, Alex. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then they began the Oxcart program, where they were testing yet even more uh, experimental designs, like anti-radar, structures that are aerodynamic that you wouldn't normally associate with uh, aerodynamics. Um, the Lockheed A-12, which, by the way, Cece, stop me if I ever step on your toes with the, any of this information. Because I know no, you're, you're going to be covering. Okay, good. The Lockheed A-12, uh, just other experimental aircraft. So that much in and of itself, not that unusual, not that weird. F-101 voodoos, T-33 shooting stars. Uh, the small segment of our demographic who are like really into aircraft are like super excited right now hearing me name all these things. <laughs> surely next he's going to talk about the lockheed d21 drone that's right <laughs> december 1964 they launched that puppy um so it was cheap and that takes us to our new podcast the aircraft podcast, <laughs> aircraft yeah. podcast exactly <laughs> so they had a lot of of programs that have sort of been declassified now because well once 
those aircraft were perfected and able to be put into field use, you know, it wasn't necessary to keep them secret anymore. That's not the weird stuff, obviously. The, the weird stuff is one thing, why didn't we know about it as an actual place until like five years ago? That's super messed up. I mean, we know the CIA exists. We know about Project Monarch. That stuff has been out in the open. But Area 51 has been a thing for conspiracy theorists and X-File fans up until literally five years ago. That's insane to me. Well, the government position is, well, it's, it's just a place that you're not allowed to go to. That's literally all they say about it. It's, it's a place. Don't worry mm-hmm. about it. Uh, no airspace, no satellite photos, no nothing. Just, just, just don't worry about it. That's been the government position uh, to a point where if you cross over after a certain line, you will be shot. You, it is within the government's legal rights, according to them. I'd love to see the actual law that says they can do that. They'll just blow you to pieces if you cross within a certain um, parallel. I didn't so find any... Any huh? information on that? I I read that you just get escorted off. Yeah, well, that's that's if I guess they I guess- they gauge it as harmless, but yeah, legally they don't have to do that. Hmm. They can I just slow you. We, depends on where the they desert. decide to. Yeah, we probably wouldn't know about anyone yeah. who got. Well, exactly. that's because they got disintegrated. Exactly. Alien tech. Exactly. All right, go on. Sorry. <laughs> uh, no worries. And there's there's been a few other uh, issues that they've come into. Uh, for example. uh, As you may imagine, whenever you're dealing with creepy stealth things, uh, you might use some peculiar chemicals, right? I mean, that makes sense. You're using experimental aircraft. You might want to use some unusual fuels, unusual paints, unusual compounds. Well, in the area, some people started complaining about their health. They, they started complaining that open pits near Groom Lake uh, had led to health problems. Um, yes. Yeah. Oh, so, so Cece, you have... I haven't heard about this. No, I'm not covering this, but okay. I'm just... I just want to make sure. Ag- yeah, no agreeing worries. with you. Okay. Well, these people, they had skin damage, respiratory injuries, liver damage. These, by the way, you know, for the record, these are people who worked at at Groom Lake and in some cases at area 51, this is not like hikers who were not allowed on there just sneaking through or anything. These are just people uh, who worked in the area. Well, they tested the soil, they tested the trenches and they found dioxin, dibenzofuran and trichloroethylene in the people who died, spotty fat which uh, matched what they found in the soils. So pretty cut and dry, pretty obvious what had happened. This is something you get from, <laughs> from working in a, in a scary government or a secret area that, that uses experimental fuels and whatnot, right? Uh, and solvents like uh, the trichloroethylene. So they sued them. The, uh, the USAF, they claimed that uh, they illegally handled toxic materials. And then they also sued the EPA, saying that they hadn't enforced uh, the handling of said materials, which I think is kind of funny. Because it's like, do you really think the EPA has a lot of uh, like leeway with Area 51? Like, how would they even do their inspections under normal circumstances? Uh, I bet that would be just a bureaucratic nightmare, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, here to, here to check on the birds. Well, 
you better make it quick or we'll kill you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> um, so then the government, they petitioned uh, uh, the district court for Nevada and they said, you know, we cannot, we can't be sued for this because every, all the details themselves are actually secret. So the judge said, uh, no, no, that, that you, people have died. Screw you guys. You guys messed up. You have to, uh, to pay for this. Well, this was when uh, Bill Clinton was in office, and he issued a presidential determination, which everyone should Google because it's something I didn't even know about until uh, recently, saying, no, they don't have to. Uh, they don't have to take care of the environment. They don't have to worry about uh, poisoning their workers. Leave them alone. And that's pretty much what happened. Uh, wow. Yeah. The Supreme Court actually refused to even hear it once it was appealed. So... Yeah, really, that, that, that I think is one of the creepiest things about it, is this, whatever's going on down there, it's so classified, it is so secret, it is so vital to the CIA's well-being, whatever that means, that if they accidentally kill civilians, you don't have a right to, to find out what's going on. You don't have a right to sue them, you don't have a right to, to bring anything to light. That's just mortifying uh, from my it's perspective. scary. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, right? Yeah, I, I read that even presidents don't have clearance to know what's going on there. And you are right. Uh, which, yeah. Which makes it all the stranger that Clinton would do that. It halfway makes me think that uh, he was intimidated, that he yeah, felt compelled to, to, to issue that injunction or determination, rather. Yeah, when you said that, I didn't even realize that that had happened. That so, had happened. Yeah. Yeah, it sounds to me like somebody was putting some pressure. Yep, agreed. And uh, as for how how do they keep all these secrets so guarded? You know, you you, you immediately I think of like landmines or things like that. Really, it's just they've got a perimeter. It's orange, so everybody can see it, even the colorblind. And then they have uh, camouflaged guards constantly, constantly patrolling. And uh, yeah, they won't answer any questions. They, they won't talk to you if addressed. And again, if you cross a certain line, they will either escort you out or use deadly force. So not something that you want to really mess with. I mean, the signs themselves around the base, which you feel free to look up. Uh, in fact, let me read a sign. It says, restricted area, no trespassing beyond this point, photography, prohibited, and my, my particular favorite, lethal force. On restricted base. In other words, we can and will murder you if you take a couple of steps beyond this point. No, thank you. Yeah, yeah, spooky. I think that stuff. even if even if like you could get on the base, I wouldn't want to go based upon all these people who are dying because God knows what they right? have there. Yeah, it's like even if you even if you take a tour, exactly. It's not like going to Fort Knox where it's like oh gold or or oh. Not gold, and also we're forced to say that we saw gold. Those are the two possibilities with Fort Knox. With I here, guess it's, it's no different than uh, people going to places like Chernobyl and the Fukushima reactor yeah, for we, vacation. It's a lot you, different. Is it? Because they're going to a place that's, uh, that they know could possibly kill them. Yeah, yeah well, but the, the thing is the environment would kill you there, here. It's exposure to The things. environment and and people will kill you. Yeah. You don't know. Someone might have a gun over at Fukushima. No, thank you. 
Oh man! I guess over Fukushima, you'd be more like more likely to be stabbed than shot. Uh, very possible. Because Japan doesn't have guns. Yeah. Have you guys, James? Have you seen um, Dark Tourist on Netflix? I documentary haven't. TV series. I've got it's to. So know. good. Yeah. I I actually have it in my queue. Yeah. Listeners, if you haven't seen it, watch it because they've got very fascinating episode about Fukushima. Oh, it's awesome. Uh, I had no idea that they're doing tourism over in that area already. But there are certain areas where you cannot go. You cannot pull out your camera. You cannot take pictures. You can't do anything. Just stay away from Fukushima. (laughs) Anyways, sorry, James. Go on. Oh, not at all. I only have one more thing to really talk about, and it's one of the reasons why I think it's so classified. Barring the theory that they have alien tech, which is very, very conceivable. uh, Well, here's one thing. We know they have alien tech we just don't know if they have space alien tech because one of the reasons why it's so secure is whenever somebody from a country that we're not getting along with or probably are getting along with whenever like a spy defects or uh we covertly capture enemy technology that's where it goes so Mm -hmm. you got you got a soviet fighter jet boom yep take it to area that's what i was reading about yeah you got a you got an Israeli uh, MiG twenty one. Take it to Area fifty one. Things like that. So uh, they actually call this project. I love this. It, it's so funny how sometimes things that that are evil, or at least I think they're evil, are messed up. But the naming can be really cute. They called it <laughs> this this program Have Donut. Just Have Donut, all caps. But that's that's what that program is. It's it's whenever you find enemy tech, you uh, you take it to Area 51, you reverse engineer it, you try and break it apart, figure out what the enemy has that you may not, try and improve upon it. It's kind of like, you know, with, with corporate uh, warfare, the all the, the patent yeah. reverse engineering. It's kind of like that, but a lot the, – the, obviously, the, uh, the risks and the rewards are a lot higher because you're talking about global war. Mm. But, yeah, that's that's about all I've got. How about you guys? Uh, Alex, are you next? CC's next. CC's next. CC. All right, take it away. CC's next. All right. So I am talking about the space aircraft, possibly alien aircrafts, located at Area 51, or so says a guy by the name of David Adair. Have you guys ever heard of him? Yeah. No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) James, of course I have. Okay, so... I, my sources, okay, I just want to get them out there at the very beginning. I watched an interview with David Adair, or read actually an interview with David Adair on alienjigsaw.com. So a really (laughs) well-known website, you guys. (laughs) Um, And it's an interview by Robert M. Stanley excerpted (laughs) from Nexus magazine. So that's my first source. I watched a YouTube interview called David Wilcock and David Adair, the man who worked at Area 51 Underground <laughs> Facilities. I read an article about David Adair on Gaia.com, G-A-I-A.com. I don't know how to pronounce that. Yeah, that's Gaia. Cool. Yeah. Gaia. And I got some, some little sprinkles of information from Wikipedia. Hmm. I didn't use that source too much. As but, you must sometimes. Yeah, as you must. You got to get some things from there. Okay, so James knows about David Adair. Alex does not. Listeners, you might not know about him. But if you do, I'm still gonna I'm still gonna talk about him. <laughs> so okay, um, Adair claims to have experienced Area 51 spaceships 
in the flesh. Ooh. So fleshy spaceships. Yeah. <laughs> Let me elaborate. Oh. <laughs> you're, you're not entirely wrong. Oh. Oh, um, <laughs> oh. <laughs> So the interview that I watched uh, with David Wilcox posted by UAMN TV. As I said, you can find it on YouTube. Adair basically claims to have been a child prodigy in the realm of rocket science. And he says by age 17, with the help of the U.S. government, he built a rocket that included an electromagnetic fusion containment engine, which was unheard of at the time. And this was during the 1960s, early 1970s. And the article about Adair on Guy.com said he claimed his rocket could, quote, Propel from zero to 8,654 miles per hour in just over four seconds. So You would just disintegrate your passengers. Wicked fast. He says it was so fast, it was like watching a bullet fly out of um, out of a gun, which you can't usually see. Exactly, yeah. That's- yeah, that's the point. I don't know. Have you ever turned a fan on and tried to follow it with your eyes? <laughs> <laughs> what? What have you eaten today? Yeah, you, that's there's just, something going on. I got started on, on the garlic, and now you just know. okay. Anyways, okay. So yeah, wicked fast, almost too fast to believe. I don't know. We're gonna find out. <laughs> so Adair claims that prior to being hired by the U.S. government to work in his rockets, he was just a young boy living in Ohio, doing math and shooting rockets out in the cornfields. Oh, <laughs> cowfields. I'm sorry, cowfields. Story time with Cece. He gave those cows the story of a lifetime. <laughs> so what did he do? He shot rockets at them? All, no, not, not at them. <laughs> oh, my goodness. He was in fields surrounded by all the moo cows just shooting off the rockets. Oh, okay. Kind of like our boy Homer in October Sky. I knew that was coming. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, you knew it was coming. It's my favorite movie. Um, no, it's not. <laughs> no, no, it's not. It's not. But it's up there. If If I turned on TBS and it was on, I'd watch it. If your teachers taught you instead of showing you October Sky, you were robbed of a childhood. All right. Anyways, <laughs> um, Adair claims that a man named General Curtis LeMay, who was the fifth chief of staff of the U.S. Air Force, hired him at 15 to work on mm-hmm. his, his rockets. And apparently, LeMay ended up befriending Adair's mom, who he claims showed LeMay his math and rocket research one fine day. And LeMay was just blown away by his work, and so he had to hire. Hmm. A 15-year-old. Yeah. yeah, this is all a little bit, uh, well, just keep going. Sounds a little bit like my cloning stories from yeah. a cloning episode. Yeah, it's going to get more outlandish, I'm sure, too. Yeah. So at 15, Adair claims he started working for the U.S. government, uh, trying to keep a low profile in this little hometown because, you know, he's just a little country boy. And uh, he's got the U.S. government helping him build his really fancy rocket ship, his electromagnetic fusion containment engine. So, yeah, he says that after a few years, I think he said it was like 26 months or something, he ended up building it successfully, creating his electrofusion containment engine, which is crazy for someone that's, what, 17 years old? So, during a test flight of the rocket in New Mexico in 71, Adair claims that a man named Arthur Rudolph came and basically took over the test launch. Do you guys know who Arthur Rudolph is? Sounds familiar. Was he a Project Paperclip fella? Project Paperclip. There you go. Uh, uh, he he was a German rocket engineer who built rockets for Nazi Germany, and <laughs> he was he was apparently a brutal guy. He was brought what? to the U.S. through a Nazi was a brutal guy. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. He I, I read some horror stories about him. Uh, He's a scary dude. 
but he uh, he was brought to the U.S. through Project Paperclip, and he helped develop rockets for the U.S., including the Saturn V moon rocket, which helped eventually land Americans on the moon. And it was also used, according to Wikipedia, to help launch the Skylab, which Alex will be talking about in a little while. So, back to Adair. He claims that Rudolph took over his rocket launch, and he instructed Adair to shoot off his magic rocket from the test mm-hmm. site in New Mexico and land it in one piece at a little dried-up lake in Nevada. Mm. What lake was that, James? <laughs> Groom Lake. Groom Lake. Groom Lake. So, Adair does it. He says he did it. He successfully landed his rocket in one piece at Groom Lake, and I read that Adair allegedly said the launch would have made Elon Musk jealous. So, well, if he did this, then it would. He, yeah, if if <laughs> if he did, it probably would have. But you can tell by that statement alone that Adair is a very humble man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, Adair claims that Rudolph ushered him to the landing spot in Nevada, which was actually Area Fifty One. Uh, Adair claims that he was taken into Area 51's underground facility where they had all these hangars and aircraft bays, and he says that he saw lots of strange, unexplainable aircraft. Mm-hmm. He, like what? He talked a lot about Area 50, what he saw in Area 51 if he was actually taken there at age 17. But in the YouTube interview I watched, he also talked a lot about how the underground facility didn't seem to have any shadows. It was illuminated perfectly. Hmm. And... Yeah, and he also says he couldn't locate any lights anywhere. So it was just a very peculiar place. So while on site, Adair claims he was taken through this amazing Irish-shaped door and was shown. Are you guys ready? Are you guys ready? I'm ready. He saw a giant electromagnetic fusion containment engine, just like his own, but like way better. Okay, that was not the reveal I was expecting. He says that he was he was both excited and upset about it because it's like he just spent all this time building this, and the U.S. government already has one that's like ten times bigger and more powerful than his own. Right, which is weird, right? Right. So he says that this this engine was massive, and it was a beautiful aqua color, and it didn't seem to have any screws or rivets. Oh, which how do you build something like that without screws or rivets? There were no seams on this thing. He says it looked like it had just been grown from the ground. Right. Kind of like an eggplant. Huh. A vegetable. He didn't say it looked like an eggplant. <laughs> he, I put that in there. But, <laughs> See? Now you're starting to bring in the vegetables. Yeah. If you read his, his uh, interview, I think it was on the Jigsaw, Alien Jigsaw, whatever it was, he explained how he thinks that they built the rocket ship, and they did it in a, a place with no gravity. So it would have had to have been in, built in deep space. Mm. Ah. Interesting. Yeah, he said that he actually developed a method to do this himself. Um, you know what? Read about it online. I'm not going to go into that here. So back to the engine. It seemed to have a bone-like exoskeleton. Ooh. But there was a problem with this engine. There was like a rip or a hole in it. And he was like, I want to inspect that hole. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Well, and he says you came to the right place. <laughs> he says that the military was hesitant at first to let him near it, but then they let him do it. Yeah, what? they were kind <laughs> of. <laughs> they were astonished by what happened, you guys. 
Adair claims that when he approached the engine, his shadow appeared on the side of the rocket ship, which you guys, he said there were no shadows anywhere. Right. It's perfectly illuminated, which is strange, right? Mm-hmm. Very. Well, he says that his shadow's movement was like half a second off of his own. Oh. Creepy. Time dilation. Yeah. Yeah. He says it was very, very strange. And when he touched the engine, it was warm, despite being in a very chilly underground facility. And it felt soft like the skin of a woman or baby. Hmm. Uh, it felt like skin? That's disturbing. <laughs> <laughs> when he touched it, he says these little swirls would move up and down, or down the hull of the engine. So it reacted to him. He claims that the military guys that let him go near near the rocket ship were just in awe because he thinks uh, he thinks that the engine wouldn't let anyone else inspect it like him. What in the- like it was a living thing. I was going to say, it sounds reacting- like sentient, according to him. Yeah, it was yeah. reacting to his mental waves. And he says that he started asking these questions, and the military got really angry at him, and then he started getting angry because apparently to- he says that he climbed down into the hall to it, in- into the little hole to inspect the thing, and it looked like neural fibers inside. Hmm. But he says that everybody seemed to be in awe, and he thinks it's because he doesn't think that the rocket ship would let anyone else near it. And when he got angry, when he started to touch the rocket ship, instead of blue and white swirls, it was like red swirls like flames. How predictable. Yeah. Is red like a universal indicator of evil? Yeah. On Earth, it really is. It's a sign of aggression, poison, power, and so on. I guess that is true, isn't it? Huh. Yeah. There's no way of telling whether or not red equals anger on another planet. Right. But maybe this rocket ship is evidence of that. That it does. That's a universal (laughs) Yeah. If the rocket ship exists. Now, while David Adair's story sounds great and fun, sounds like something out of a movie, right? Yeah. A good one, to be honest. Yeah, a great one. A great one. It would make a great movie. And I think that he's made several documentaries sharing his story. But... I do have some issues with Adair's story. Okay. Naturally, right, guys? Hey. Adair claims that he won hundreds of awards for his science accolades throughout the years. And I, for the life of me, could not find any proof of him winning any awards anywhere. Not a single one. No, there was one there was one picture of an old newspaper clipping. That listed him as having won an Air Force Award in 1971, which he does claim he won. But I couldn't find the actual news story to go with the clipping. It was just a picture of a clipping, which could easily be fabricated. So that was one big problem I had. I also have trouble believing why the U.S. would allow 17-year-old access to Area 51, even if he was... A child uh, genius. So you're telling me if Tony Stark was real, they wouldn't let him on Area 51. No. A 17-year-old. Like, how can you trust a 17-year-old? They're not even yeah. fully matured yet. I love the idea that he's also getting awards for his rockets and UFO work. Like, <laughs> like the CIA has, like, <laughs> little participation trophies. Like, you just won a silver medal. Yeah, here <laughs> like, you go. What? <laughs> Yeah. Well, he also claims that he was friends with uh, Werner von Braun, Stephen Hawking. He said he had a conversation with Stephen Hawking, and he was even Neil Armstrong's 
mother's friend. Hmm. I Can't mean, find proof of any of these relationships. Very it's strange. the Werner von Braun relation does. Uh, I mean, if the rest of his story was true, it would make sense because he's he was developing a uh, Skylab. Yeah, or he he helped on developing things that led to Skylab, and I think he may have even worked on Skylab, but he died about the time that it was launched. Yeah, well, he says that from his childhood, since he was winning all of these awards from the time he was like 11 to goodness knows how long, he knew Werner von Braun. Just oh. Werner von Braun gave him one of his awards. Just buddies. Dignitaries. Yeah. yeah. Super weird, man. Well, I found I found one picture that may have been the two of them together, but he looked older in the picture and Werner von Braun died around the time this stuff was kind of... Well, let's see. When was this all happening again? 1971. Yeah, he died not too long after that. I don't know. There, there's just something strange about it. And the way, like, the interviews that I watched with this David Adair guy, he seems he seems a little too good to be true. Well, I mean, he did create this reactor engine thing, right? <laughs> so he says, yeah. well, one last thing. And this, I found this idea when I was scrolling through a Quora question where people were asking about whether David Adair was real or fraud. And it was like, oh, he's just an actor. And none of his stuff can actually, there's no evidence of anything that he actually claims. And I'm like, okay, well, I really can't find evidence because James, as you said, everything is so secretive around uh, Area 51 that not mm-hmm. many people can like talk about it. So, yeah. I mean, it's literally a black project. So, yeah. Yeah. So I looked up David Adair on imdb.com and I found uh, that he has a few acting credits to his name. Little bit parts in the late 80s and early 90s. That is very weird. He played Man in Hotel Room in a TV show called (laughs) The Bill. Okay. And some other other really small, small bit parts. And I know this is the same David Adair because on the same IMDb page are a whole bunch of documentaries that he was in as himself. Really? Right. So, well, see, that part, it makes sense. But in fiction, that's really weird. Yeah, exactly. It was it was a bit odd. It's an interesting way to try to launch an acting career. Yeah. Well, it makes me think, actually, of crisis actors who've been, you know, outed over the years. And, uh, and let's not forget the documentary that was Zoolander that we talked about, like, you know, uh, John Wilkes Booth and all those other historical movers and shakers who were actors. I genuinely do believe, I think Team America or whatever it was called, that South Park guys movie, I think they actually made a good point that actors and the ability to, you know, fake emotion, that is actually a useful skill that a lot of like black ops use. So so it, it does kind of cast a little bit of a shady light on him that he, he attempted to break into fiction acting. Yeah, in the 80s and early 90s, and then before him, I can't find any, like, historical documentation that says that he was hmm. doing the things that he says he was doing. So, so you're saying Meryl Streep is the ultimate black ops operative. <laughs> she could be if she wanted. <laughs> um, one last big thing that I have a critique about him for. No Wikipedia page. <laughs> no Wikipedia oh, that's page. really weird, yeah. No Wikipedia page. It could, I mean, it could mean... That he's not legit, but it could also mean he is legit because the government doesn't want his information to be out there. Yeah. I mean, this guy sounds arrogant enough that he would want to make his own Wikipedia page. Yeah. 
Agreed. But, yeah. but you know, the government's probably scrubbing it. Yeah. yeah. They could easily be scrubbing it. But if they were going to, if they didn't want him to talk, they could do a lot more than just scrub out his internet. Very true. Oh, yeah. Listings. They could scrub him yeah, out. Yeah, that's, that's another too. episode. We've got a few people who were scrubbed out. Mm. We'll talk about it later. Yeah. So, other than that, that that's the story of Mr. David O'Dare. And there's a lot more to his story. But for, for the sake of brevity, I'm not going to, to get into it too much. Um, one thing that I did find very interesting is reading up about what was Area 51. I learned about what is considered the new Area 51. Mm. Do you know where it is, James? No, that's a new one on me. Yeah, I didn't hear about this. Yeah, it's called a Dugway Proving Ground, and it's located in Utah. That's so lame-sounding. Yeah, agree. Well, yeah, they want it to be lame-sounding. They don't want anyone to go there. It's it's apparently this really tiny town, and I... uh, I got a lot of my information from, let me find it, in my notes, 2018 utahstories.com article titled, <laughs> Aliens at Dugway Proving Ground, Spaceships Taking Off at the New Area 51 by Rickard, or Rickard, by Richard Markosian. <laughs> Rickard. Or Markosian. I don't know how to say it. But uh, while reading up about the Dugway Proving Ground, I learned about a man named Stephen M. Greer, Dr. Stephen M. Greer. Have either of you heard of him? Nope. No. He's a UFO uh, ufologist. Huh. He's a very intriguing fellow. And he claims that during his research, he discovered a major cover-up by the U.S. government regarding alien contact and technology, which, I mean, I could totally see. But he claims, and I won't get into this too much because we're going to do an episode on Roswell in the future, but he claims that a UFO did crash land in Roswell, New Mexico, in 1947, and that the U.S. government snarfed the aliens when they were alive. He claims they were alive when they landed, and they took their flying saucer and basically reverse-engineered it with the help of Lockheed Martin. Hmm. Yeah, that's uh, that. They're directly tied with Area 51. If you look at all the aircraft I listed, all you all you aircraft aficionados. Uh, those were almost all Lockheed Martins. Yep. Yeah, Lockheed Martin had a lot to do with it. And uh, according to Greer, we already have the technology needed for deep space travel. And he says that that could allow us to cut the cord with fossil fuel-based energy. So that's why the U.S. government doesn't want the world to know that we have it. Hmm. And uh, some big names have actually backed up Greer's claims on this, including former Lockheed Martin CEO, Dr. Ben Rich. He died. Uh, I don't know when he died. But on his deathbed, he allegedly admitted that they were building flying saucers powerful enough to, quote, take E.T. home. I don't know how far away E.T. was. Apparently very far. And then another Lockheed engineer, Don Phillips, said apparently said the same thing, that they were building these things. Oh, man. Yeah. And the the article that I read on utahstories.com says that there's a resident in Utah named Alien Dave. And he claims that he once saw a jet vanish into thin air. So the way he kind of they kind of describe the proving ground in the, the article, it's like half of the city is just like a regular old city that people live in and, you know, carry on their daily lives. It's very, very small. And then the other half is like top secret, kind of like guarded, like um, – Area 51, where you can't go within a certain distance. If you get there, they're going to escort you off the premises. Hmm. And so it's it's strange. Very. It is strange. Yeah. Hmm. 
Yeah. The question is, how did Alien Dave get his nickname? <laughs> yeah, God only knows. So anyways, that's all that I really have about Area 51 spacecrafts. Alex, will you tell us about the Skylab? Of course. Tell you about the Skylab incident. Ooh. James, do you know anything about Skylab? A few things. Uh, not enough to where like I could really give a lot of commentary, though. Did you know it had anything to do with, well... With Area 51? Actually, no. All right. Well, here's the Skylab incident. Sounds pretty badass, right? <laughs> I mean, it kind of sounds similar to Skynet. So, you know, like the Terminator? Yeah. Very I've true. never heard of Skylab, personally. Uh, and unfortunately, this doesn't involve evil robots. Uh, unfortunately? Yeah. <laughs> or does it? <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. No, it doesn't. <laughs> but <laughs> it'd be pretty cool if it did, right? Um, <laughs> you had me scared there for a minute. <laughs> but it does have something else that is interesting. So let me break down what Skylab is. Skylab is the first research station launched and operated by NASA. Uh, the first actual re uh, research station launched into space was done by the Russians, but nobody cares about that. We're, nah, we care about what NASA was doing. And interesting enough, it's the only space station that only had Americans in it. Hmm. From then on, they had people from all over the world. And it only was in space for about 24 weeks between 1973 and 1974. And after that, it circled the Earth until uh, 79 when it crashed down to Earth. Apparently, that was a big like news event that everyone was covering. I think it crashed somewhere close to Australia, but I might be wrong on that. With such a short lifespan, it's not too surprising... That to you all, and I guess, well, James, you knew, but Cece, you may not mm -hmm. have. Uh, to you all and the listeners that they've never heard of Skylab, but Skylab did a lot of pretty cool things. Uh, uh, remember when I was talking about, you know, my obsession with space in a previous episode? I literally had like a little internal map of Skylab, and I would look at it probably every day. Like, like no joke, like, oh, there's oh, really? a plant station, and just look at it, like, just amazed. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. That's kind of cute. So some of the stuff that they studied, like the plants, they did. They studied life science, which is like human physiology, biomedical research, that kind of things. And then they studied solar physics and astronomy, lots of observations with a telescope that they kept on board. And apparently this telescope, a lot of the data that they received while observing the sun and the earth led to future developments in the power of telescopes. <laughs> and then they also studied earth resources like geology they studied i guess that's not really a resource but geology hurricanes and they studied like uh land patterns that they could see mm. from space uh then they also apparently they studied like welding brazing metal melting and like water and fluid dynamics and but the most interesting thing is that they had to do all and there's several other fields there's uh, some pretty cool graphs you can find online of all the things they do but the coolest thing, and maybe the worst part, I guess, for them, was that when the, the, it was launched into space, a micrometeor tore through the, uh, through the ship, destroying a, uh, I want to call it a sun panel, but it's not called a sun panel. It, it, panel? No, it did, it did destroy their, one of their primary solar mm. panels. But also destroyed one of their uh, heat ships. Oh, uh oh, yeah, yeah, that's not good. So they had to do some of the uh, at the time unheard of extensive 
space repair. So they had to go outside the ship and do a lot of repair on the outside. And then they all, that also meant that they were short a lot of energy. So they didn't have a lot of the electricity that they needed because not only did they not have the, uh, not only did they lose the electricity from that one panel, but they also lose a lot of the space in their ship. So it stalled a lot of the research they were doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but apparently it was uh, pretty terrifying. But also, I would think so. But also, once they got it all solved, I mean, they really they did some pretty cool things, and they showed that you could really do a lot, lot of work out in space, floating mm-hmm. around, <laughs> welding, you know, your thing. But the most important thing, and I've already mentioned it, of Skylab is its telescope. And Skylab was a, they used this telescope, like I mentioned, look at the sun, but they also looked at the Earth. Now they took a lot of pictures of the Earth, but what the astronauts forgot and i think they probably just didn't really realize is that there was one place on earth that the cia Mm -hmm. said do not take a picture of one place on earth i have a feeling i know what that place is almost like we're recording an episode about it (laughs) exactly they took a picture of the airfield at groom lake at area 51 Mm. what did they find (laughs) well We'll never know what they found. Uh, yes. So apparently, and this is in declassified documents that came out just a few years ago, uh, but apparently it was a big controversy between NASA, the State Department, and the CIA. Because NASA is a, a civilian organization, mm-hmm. whereas the CIA is not. So there's a big clash between government and civilian. Mm-hmm. And NASA felt that they should be able to release the picture. And obviously the CIA, having this agreement that goes back to 1963, starting with the uh, Gemini Project, had this agreement where, with NASA, they would look through every photo that they take and approve which ones go out. (laughs) And so this is an agreement that went all the way through this Skylab incident. So apparently, through all this, uh, the CIA sends the pictures to this organization called NPIC which is also known as the National Photographic Interpretation Center. And apparently, this division at CIA doesn't even know what happens at Groom Lake. They're not made aware of what actually happens. All they know is they look at the picture. If it's Groom Lake, it gets taken away from them immediately and thrown into a vault. Where's the vault? I guess it's kept at the CIA. Well, it's like, it's probably kept at the CIA or at a location over at NPIC. Because NPIC is a, it's not at the CIA headquarters. It's in a different spot. I think it's Suite 213 at some place. <laughs> I don't know. It really is, like, I think, Suite 213. Uh, so, oh, man. there's a lot of like layers of people that don't know what's actually at Groom Lake. And so, there's there was this another uh, surveillance vessel called the uh, Corona Surveillance Satellite. And this actually happened before the agreement. And it had flown over the area, snapped a ton of pictures. Well, actually, if you go look up these pictures on the website, there's a series of pictures, and then suddenly they all go, these pictures over Groom Lake go missing. And there's no pictures of Groom Lake, and then the, the photos resume. So even, even back then, before the agreement, the uh, CIA was cutting out pictures that have been taken of the facility. Oh, freaky. Yeah. Oh, it's about to it's get like, weirder. Yeah, I just found this out, Alex. I have to interrupt. NPIC uh, <laughs> doesn't exist anymore. They've been replaced by another agency, the NGA, the National Geospatial Intelligence Agency. 
And this is the creepiest part. They have an Arctic base. <laughs> oh, <laughs> what? Yeah. Nothing good this is like a movie, Arctic. right? <laughs> oh, man. All right. Sorry. That's yeah. some super villain stuff right there. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, the only reason we know about this whole incident is because of the declassified documents mm-hmm. that the CIA has done. Now, what's the one thing you think is missing from these declassified documents? Hmm. Oh, of course, they black out uh, Area 51. The picture is still not in the declassified documents. Dios hmm. mio. Yeah, they're, they declassified the whole thing except for the one picture. The one picture. What's in it? I know, right? See, when I think of Area 51, I, like, I don't think that they have just like, you know, spaceships and rockets sitting out in the middle of nowhere. I think it's all like underground, like, and you just see buildings, but... Oh, yeah. Maybe that's not true. Well, uh, they definitely have some underground labs. What if it... They're enormous. What if it looks like Wakanda? And it's like the most <laughs> advanced... Oh, wow. Honestly, I've got all these ideas. It, it, it could be. You know, it could be like basically men in black with, you know... Yeah. Tech that and, was yeah. one thing about David Adair's story is that he says that the men in black actually came to his rocket launch when he was in New Mexico. Yeah. Oh, that's a whole other episode, really. Man yeah, black, it man. really is. They exist. Yeah. What? <laughs> oh, man. I hope they all look like Chris Hemsworth in the <laughs> new upcoming Men in Black. Me too. Although I would never want to meet a man in black. I think it'd be scary. Yeah. Well, you wouldn't remember. Yeah, you wouldn't remember. <laughs> Maybe I've already met them. <laughs> I did have a dream last night about aliens after doing all my research, mm. which seems to be a trend whenever we do alien-based yep. episodes. Yeah. Creepy, but man. it is interesting that the CIA had them have – they had one place on the entire planet that they were not allowed to take a picture of. And that's it. And these brave souls went ahead and did it. <laughs> <laughs> Where are they now? They totally did it by accident, I think. Oh, no, they did it by accident. They're, they're all fine. Yeah. Okay, good. Yeah. Just wanted to make yeah. sure. But I thought it was interesting that NASA was arguing that since they're a, civil, uh, since they're a civilian company or a civilian entity, that they should release the, uh, the picture. pictures to the public because it's not their job to hide things like the government. Yeah, that's, that's really weird. I, uh, I read that some people think that the moon landing was filmed at Area 51. Yes, I read that too. Yeah. I don't know if it's true. I don't why? think it's true because I think we went to the moon, but. Why yeah. would Stanley Kubrick drive all the way out there when he could just film it on a lot in L.A.? <laughs> he didn't yeah. have the clearance. <laughs> yeah. He didn't have the clearance. James, do you have anything you want to say about Area 51 before we hit the road, Jack? Uh, no, I, I think that in the future we're definitely going to do a Roswell episode. There's a yes. few little things that overlap, but I say we save it teaser for the uh, Roswell episode. Yeah, and, and we could totally revisit Area 51 again. Yes, there's yeah. a so lot much. of information. And maybe next time we'll dive more into the alien aspect yeah. of it even more. But there's a lot we could do with this. I was I was very, like, the hardest part about researching for this episode is that everything, like, is top secret. Everything that you find, like, online there's very little evidence. Like somebody can say something about Area 51, but they ha- can't provide any evidence that what they're saying is actually true. Yeah. yeah. So well, it's hard to corroborate any of this information. I, I've I've read a. Oh, and by the way, most of my research came from a, this really cool website called the Space Review, and this guy he puts <laughs> out articles once a week, 
but they're really nice. detailed, really well written articles. I don't believe any of them are based in conspiracy theories. Uh, yeah. yeah. So like like top of the line peer review stuff. Maybe. Yeah, it's it, it's pretty cool stuff uh, that he's got on there. But I will say that I think that there's definitely something more going on in Area 51. Oh yeah, undoubtedly. Agreed. Because they yeah. they already they are they already established, I think even with the uh, Gemini program that the surveillance photos of Earth at the time were unusable because it, the the quality wasn't good enough. You couldn't mm. indicate on a map where they're actually taking pictures of. That's why they had NPIC and stuff like that was to, to determine that those types of things. But, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it, it was just kind of unreliable at the time. Now, that 10 years later, uh, Skylab was 10 years after Gemini. So things mm. improved. But still, I don't know if you could have seen anything it, unless there's a giant spaceship hovering over it. <sighs> Can you give a quick uh, definition of Gemini? Uh, Gemini was just this. Uh, I think I actually wrote it down, but Gemini is like this uh, early mission where they were sending them in low orbit, and they were just trying to snap photos of the Earth. So sending yeah. astronauts in the low orbit. Yeah, am I right on that, James? You are, and you know that you know very rarely it's it's usually weird donut names and stuff like that. Fun little trivia. Any guesses as to why it's called the Gemini Project? Did, did, they... They, did they send twins into space? <laughs> well, that would be cool. <laughs> uh, you're almost there, though. Um, and that is just, they sent such a small crew, they they sent them in pairs. Oh, yeah. that's cute. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, like uh, Gemini 8, that was uh, Neil Armstrong and David Scott. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Fun little tidbit for you yeah. from our our, our uh, resident space nerd. Yeah, resident space yeah. nerd. <laughs> yeah. It's um, I don't really have anything to add other than I want to do another episode on Area Fifty One in the future. Yeah, just I do there's too. There's so much information. Mm. There's so much, and I just yeah. couldn't believe that my story was true, <laughs> declassified. I mean, I guess yeah. I guess uh, the CIA could have been lying about it all, and then NASA and them were colluding the entire time. Then we fabricated documents. Uh, fake it till you make it that's right that's right um cool guys yeah that's a good one. Oh, we gotta pick our next episode we gotta pick our next episode before we do that though um just a reminder if you have any stories if you've seen an alien uh and you want to tell us about it you want to hear us talk about it on our show send us your stories if you've yeah if you've seen it if you woke up with a ghost hovering over your bed we want to know about it let yeah. us know send yeah. us your stories no creepypastas to 13th floor podcast at gmail.com. Yeah. And that's the number one, the number three, TH floor podcast. That's right. No, uh, and everyone who's uh, sent us something so far, thanks very much. We'll get to it. Yes. Oh, yeah. It, it's in our overly expensive vase hey, well, that I draw out of. <laughs> well, before before you draw from the $10 vase that we bought at Home Goods. Um, <laughs> If you listeners have any topics that you want to hear, send them to us. You can also you can send them to our Gmail account or you can direct message them to us on Twitter at 13th Floor Pod or on Instagram at 13th Floor Podcast. Okay, I'm done. Now pick out our, our episode for next week. You hear the rustle. All of the topics that of, we have. Of suggestions from people and ones we've put in here. Yeah, yeah. Oh, what? This is going to be a cool one. Oh.
Jack the Ripper theories. <gasps> oh, I'm so excited. Oh, man. Yeah, man. Yeah, this is cool. This one will be a doozy because there's a lot of theories out there. <laughs> yeah, there are some cool theories. There's a really good uh, graphic novel called From Hell by oh, yeah. Alan Moore. And it's his, uh, he goes and examines history and he gives what he thinks happened. But, but it's also fictional. <laughs> but it's also like, it's pretty crazy. It's awesome. Yeah. And it was also adapted into a horrible movie. Yes, it was. Thank you, Johnny Depp. So, cool. Next week, we'll be talking about Jack the Ripper. And thank you to my friend Kate, my dear, sweet, lovely friend Kate, for suggesting that to us. I think this is the second episode that you've suggested that we are going to deliver. Absolutely. Uh, Also, everyone else, submit your topics to us. If you have a cool, weird story that we haven't even covered yet on a topic, send them to us. We'll have them for later. Because <clears throat> we record these a couple weeks ahead of time. Didn't I just say that? You didn't say that they could submit Oh, things. my gosh. Oh, you did. You said I, something about ghosts. I did. You know what? <clears throat> let's just pretend like... Let's just pretend like Alex was listening the entire time. I was listening. And <laughs> let's, uh, let's talk about our music. Our music is signaled by Grant Cook. You can find him on Spotify, Apple Music, Amazon Music, <laughs> anywhere you can get music. Um, look him up. He's he's wonderful. He's a revelation. <laughs> and until next time, guys, keep, keep it, it strange. strange. <laughs> so that. Ta-da.